It's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Ghost Goal Podcast. I'm Alex here with Javier to preview the weekend's coming Premier League fixtures. We've got a completely stacked Saturday of games. Uh, One at a time, Everton-Liverpool will kick off the weekend at Goodison Park. Chelsea will host Southampton. And then uh, the main fixture of the weekend, Manchester City will host Arsenal uh, Saturday at 12.30 p.m. That and plenty more games that we're going to preview. Andrew is off tonight. Uh, Javier, uh, you're on a nice little run uh, against these teams like Liverpool. Like, uh, well, maybe not Liverpool after the last loss, but before that, Liverpool, Manchester City, you guys were getting pretty good results and having good defensive performances against them. Uh, How optimistic are you, especially with City a little rattled right now? Are we starting here right now off the bat? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, It's the biggest game of the weekend. Why not? Shit. Um, I'm still putting this game ahead. I wasn't prepared for you to to just like come at me like this so quickly. Putting you on your toes. I'm definitely nervous for this fixture. I think that it's going to be difficult for for our team to to get anything. We we haven't gone to Manchester City and and gotten a result. I mean, we we did something in the FA Cup, but I feel like that was a neutral ground that was at Wembley. The last time we got something at the Etihad was, I think, in 2016 where we had that, like, 2-0 kind of crazy win when Santi Cazorla was still in the team. Okay, but does does this all really matter in the age of, you know, COVID, no, no fans? Yeah, Leicester and just I think, went there and won 5-2. Yes, they got some yeah, lucky say, penalty decisions, I think, but... I think if there's one time to play Manchester City, it's right now. They are definitely reeling a little bit right now from that draw against Leeds and the loss against Leicester. And, you know, we're a little bit on the up. We just, you know, we, we made a huge, our, our biggest summer signing, you know, the last day of the deadline window. And everyone's very, very excited to see him play. Odds are he doesn't start in this game. Partey will probably be on the bench. I think we'll see a Xhaka Ceballos midfield starting. Uh, I don't think Arteta's had enough. He just got to training on Tuesday, so I don't know if he's going to have had enough time with the players to integrate him into the squad. And I expect him to be on the bench and probably come on in the second half to see if he can make a difference. Um, I think the other big question is who starts at wing. You know, Lacazette didn't start at striker the last game, and we saw an Enketia, Willian, Aubameyang front three, which was very, very plain against Sheffield. They didn't create many chances. So I feel like a, a, when Nico Pepe came on, he immediately changed the game and but got those, a goal. So I would like to see him play at wing. I would like to see William bench for this game. But those three were primarily out there because of, I mean, the, the reason you and I like kind of rationalized was because of their ability to press, which you would think would be pretty important against Manchester City more so than Sheffield. So I, I, I don't know if I would be completely surprised to see... Arteta stick the with same the same front lineup line starting, because, yeah. Because you know he's you've possible. seen him kind of uh, prioritize defensive stability, and that starts from the top uh, against plenty of teams in the league, but especially Manchester City. So I think a big problem is uh, Tierney did is in isolation. He's tested negative for COVID two or three times now, but um, was in that Scottish squad that uh, had a couple of players test positive. So according to the Scottish FA, you know, he has to remain isolated through this weekend. 
I think we're trying to pull some strings to try to let him play in this game because he has been testing negative and has been in isolation for seven or eight days now, but apparently you have to be up to 10 days. So uh, it's the whole situation is pretty messed up. So I, uh, I think not, you can kind of make up for no Tierney. It would be a big loss, don't get me wrong, but I think you can kind of make up for it with Gabrielle in that left center back position and like Maitland Niles playing left wing back. I mean, I know there is a scenario where a terrible scenario where like Kolasinac could start or something. Yeah, hopefully Kolasinac. Exactly, I was going to say hopefully Kolasinac stays out of that starting lineup, and uh, we see that back line of maybe holding David Luiz and. Gabriel, like you just said. And, yeah, I mean, Hector Bayerin's been in good form for us so far this season. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to him starting at, at right wing back. And then, like you said, Ainsley Mitten-Niles, he's, he's been getting the job done. Did, didn't have a great game against Salah at left wing back, although Salah didn't score. He did have a couple of chances and, and created that rebound shot for Mane in that game. But I think the, the, the big question for Manchester City side is if Kevin De Bruyne starts. And if he doesn't, if he can't play in this game, and if Jesus I, I definitely fancy starts. our chances. Gabriel Jesus is supposed to, they said before the international break that he was supposed to be back uh, right after the break ended. But okay. I don't think we've gotten an update since then. So if both if, him if, and De Bruyne If they don't have out, a Gabriel Jesus, yeah. If they both of them are out and they have to play, you know, a Sterling, Mares, Fernand, Fernand Torres front three with a pretty devoid midfield of creativity, you know, maybe a, a Rodrigo and Fernandinho in midfield with Foden. maybe Gundogan. It would be a lot of responsibility yeah, to put Foden. on Foden. It would be a lot of, yeah, but I would I would honestly fancy our chances to, to maybe come out with a draw or even sneak a win in that situation. So Yeah, I mean, I bring, I bring this game up first because, I mean, these are the two more, quote, traditional, like top six kind of teams playing each other. But it's also the first time that I can remember for a while where I think Manchester City fans have just as good of reason to be uh, fearful of the outcome of this result as Arsenal fans. You know, for a couple of good few years now, Arsenal fans would be going into this game thinking, oh God, how many is it going to be this time? And, you know, that was the case for a lot of the league. So I don't think there's there's that much shame to be put in that, but uh, it feels different now. You've obviously got a couple of good results on the back end of last season and against teams like of similar similar quality uh, to Manchester City and Liverpool. So... Uh, with the defensive problems mostly fixed, like you give yourself at least like a platform to go and get a draw at Manchester City, which is, you know, your your season's still right on schedule if that happens. A draw is not the worst result here for Arsenal, but for Man Especially City... Especially if we can it, bring on Partey, yeah, uh, Lacazette, I mean, and Pepe in the second half. That's that's three pretty pretty fantastic subs if, if we do need that difference maker in the second half. I think we'll yeah. have a better bench than City, which is... Crazy to say, but what what do you uh, what would you predict? I'm not gonna lock it down in stone or anything, but like, what what are you feeling? I think maybe two 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 is 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 would be a I think it would be a good result for us away at City, and you know most likely it's probably gonna be like a two one win for Manchester City if they usually get their shit together after a couple of bad results and an international break that you know Pep has them drilling you know three training sessions a day or something so but you know motivation is definitely a question for this Manchester City side who didn't seem that motivated last season and you could say maybe that's because they were out of the title race in December but I don't know I think uh, Pep might might be coming to maybe not his last year at Manchester City but maybe his last one or two years he didn't seem to get all the signings he wanted this summer and you know, Ruben Diaz is still new to the league. I know I'm sure we're gonna target him and, and you know that Mendy Mendy as well. Walker's just played I think three games for England or at least two. Yeah, so I don't think he's not gonna be all of them. He's not gonna be totally fresh. 
And I mean, not a lot of our players have played a lot of games too. I know Xhaka played at least two, if not all three games that Switzerland played in this last week. So I think a lot of factors are in this and it's going to be a fun game. I think there's going to be a lot of goals, especially in the second half. I think once we get tired, some tired legs in the second half, there's going to be more goals and with the substitutions as well. So, you know, watch watch to see if, if Williams starts or if Pepe starts. I know Williams going to be fresh. You know, he's not going to have play. He didn't play any games for Brazil or anything. He's just been at training at the training ground. Same thing with Lacazette. So maybe for that reason, we see those players start. And yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Lacazette, Willie, and Aubameyang as well. Um, there's a small, small question mark whether Aubameyang starts. He had uh, an ankle injury uh, from that that really bad tackle. Oh, that, uh, I didn't hear about that. That Fabinho made on him in in the Liverpool game. Uh, but he's he's I mean he's a champ. He's missed something like four or five games in the last five say, years. I, so I, I, I don't remember the last he, time he missed a game. Uh, but for Mans is rarely injured. Yeah. So I, yeah, I would say with no Lacazette, I don't give you guys too much of a chance to win, just because I, I think he's like a real, he's like a proper big game player uh, in your squad. He is. That's why I want to see him start in this game. Yeah. And I think like I look at Enketia as he he's definitely a very good promising young player just broke Alan Shearer's record for most goals for the U21s which is I mean that that's a pretty good name to have your record to be breaking a record of yeah because most and of the best players aren't playing at U21 long enough to do it <laughs> yeah I mean but Eddie Eddie's 20 years old so leave him alone yeah he's got tons and, of, he's uh, got tons of better strikers ahead of him for England you're right you're absolutely right <laughs> Like Tammy yeah, and Calvert Lewin. I look at him. I look at him more Kane as a as an impact as an impact sub. So, yeah, I understand if he starts for the pressing reason, but I don't think that they're gonna be holding the ball as much as they usually have, especially if De Bruyne doesn't start. So, hopefully, a couple of things go our way and and we can get a draw or a sneaky one out of this. Yeah, I'm I'm probably gonna lean towards assuming De Bruyne and Gabriel Jesus are both healthy. Probably like a two one or three one Manchester City. Um, but I mean, I give Arsenal more shot than I have uh, uh, any time recently. So uh, the other huge game that's going on this weekend, uh, kind of surprisingly, but at the end of the day, it is a uh, Merseyside derby. Is uh, Everton hosting Liverpool? Everton obviously are sitting first right now after four games. Everyone's uh, overreacting like crazy, saying that this is what the Everton are going to be like for the whole season. I'm uh, I'm not on aboard that just yet but a, a win against uh liverpool even at home at goodison park uh, would still go a long way to uh changing my mind so uh, do you think they're going to be able to pull it off i know they've got like a couple players coming back from injury like uh yeah, Allen is back i think my my concern is that dominic calvert lewin did actually play all three games for england he came off um, the bench break. he came off the bench today though uh okay he Denmark. came off the bench gotcha start, but started. but yeah i think that's he's gonna be maybe a little bit tired but other than that, yeah, this Everton signs look good. I know that Hamas did play two games for Colombia, two pretty grueling games for South America, and he's not the most fit player to be playing like three games a week. So look at that as well to see if Hamas is maybe a little bit slower, maybe comes in off the bench. I'm sure he's going to have to start in this game because they need his influence. But if Allen can start, and I don't know if Andre Go- if is Gomez back. Uh, he's like 50-50. He's uh, okay, but I mean they should have Allen and uh, Decore in midfield. Yeah, so I was gonna say Allen and Decore is, is is, is going to be big for them, and if they can get those midfielders starting, I also really like that signing of Ben Godfrey. So um, 
you know, maybe he gets his first start for Everton in this game as well. Yeah, because Jerry Mina did get, uh, or he did pick up an injury in training for Colombia, I think, on Tuesday, uh, whatever day they played their game in training the day before. So Monday, I guess, he picked up a, an injury, but like didn't play that game, but he said he could be back for Saturday. So. Uh, it's kind of questionable whether him and Allen both play. If they both do, uh, again, uh, Everton, you know, they're playing a team that just lost eight or what was it? Sorry, I forgot the score already. Seven two. Seven I was going to say. I was going to say. I, I feel already. like coming off of this game, Liverpool are going to be cagey. They're going to want to, you know, close up their back line. A lot of their players played on international break. You know, Wijnaldum and Van Dijk just played a bunch of games for Holland. Salah, I, I think Salah did go on international break. He was playing for for Egypt, and I think Mane is going to be the one player coming back here. Mane and Thiago, who both had COVID, they've both just been training with Liverpool for the last like week or so, and they're probably going to be fresh. I feel like that they're going to make a big difference to this Liverpool squad. Especially Thiago, if, if, I was if say, he's ready to play. It's kind of strange to phrase it this way because Mane is obviously a match winner and he's destroyed Everton plenty of times before. So having him and Salah back will definitely be big. But I feel like the answer to uh, all of the improvements that Everton have shown uh, this season, mostly in midfield, is a player like Thiago, who just sort of takes control of the game and just sort of doesn't allow any of those players to really influence it too much. Um, he's got the talent and the uh, intellect to do that. Um, it's just whether he has the match fitness, whether he can play the full 90 minutes. Maybe even if you get 60 minutes out of him and then take him off uh, when he t- starts to tire a little bit and stick Fabinho back there, like that's not it's not the worst uh, it's not the worst option either. So, Yeah, I'm curious because this Everson side of him playing high octane, high press, High energy football every game this season, and this is going to be the first team that they play against. You know, no, no offense to Spurs, but they Spurs are more of a team that sit back, play on the counter attack. Um, you know, they they do have decent pressing, but they don't play as nearly as high energy as this Liverpool side. And I know this Liverpool side are going to try to come out and put right that result with their fans and with everybody else who's you know maybe doubting them right now. So they, I they think it's going to be a fun game. Everton. I don't think Liverpool fans care how well Everton are playing. They just see it right. as, oh, well, our neighbors happen to win four games in a row. That doesn't really change anything for us. Like, we have to just put them down immediately. I could see, like, a fun 3-3, something crazy see, like that I, happening. I think this is, has Liverpool or, route all over it. I think this has, like, or, like 4-1 or, like, 5-2 wow, Liverpool. Okay. Like, they just lost they just come 7-2. Back. Beat down Everton and you know put them in their place. Yeah, like Joel so Ma- Joel Matip is back. Uh, I feel like that really helps. I mean, I like Joe Gomez, but he's had some questionable performances uh, the last like a couple times he's been out there. Him and Van Dyke together, two more uh, experienced players. Uh, and I mean, the, obviously the the glaring hole in there is uh, Adrian goal. Still, I, I haven't heard any updates about that Jack Butland right, deal. I was going to say, you don't think Dominic Calvert Lewin's going to just you know, stick his nutsack down on Adrian's face and not if Van Dyke has do, anything do some to say teabagging. about it. <laughs> oh, did Van Dyke have anything to say about it? You know, for Ollie Watkins and, and Jack Grealish in the last game? Or yeah, I mean, he, he, he's not exactly a Dominic Calvert Lewin type center forward. You know, they weren't exactly conceding those types of goals. Um, it's it's that offside trap. It's Richarlison getting in behind Trent Alexander Arnold. I was gonna say Richarlison being back as well is a, is a big one. Yeah, for... and, it's, and it's him plus Digne on that left wing for Everton, Liverpool's right wing. That you know they're going to be looking to try and 
interchange a little bit, get one of those two, slip them in behind and cut something back for or get something to the back post for Calvert-Lewin. It's a pretty simple I formula. I didn't Liverpool. realize how fast Richarlison is. He is fast as shit. He's probably one of the him and Digne are probably the fastest players on this Everton side. And I didn't realize how fast he was. I've been watching him more in, in you know, at the beginning of the season for Everton and then as well in this last international break for Brazil. He's extremely fast. His dribbling is fantastic. I think he's just his, the last thing he has to get right is his decision making. Yeah, you just have, don't get sent think off that, like for no reason or right. something. He might he might just you gotta pull think some that a, like that. a coach like Carlo is eventually you know going to get get his decision making at least a little bit better. And this is the type of game that you last season and the last couple of years you know for Watford and then for Everton. Richarlison wouldn't show up for these games. You know, he wouldn't get a goal, wouldn't get an assist, would kind of just be I mean, lost scored, and then come out in like the 70th before, minute. But like, yeah, I mean, Everton haven't beaten I just Liverpool. mean these really big games. Yeah, yeah I, haven't, I don't remember I just mean these big Everton games that they, that they need to win. When Everton may have been on good form, I feel like Richarlison sometimes just drops his form. And this is the type of thing that you, you, you want to see Richarlison do well here. He just scored for Brazil. I'm sure he's going to have high confidence coming back from injury. Everyone on this Everton side is going to have a lot of belief. So, I, I I don't know, man. I fancy them to at least get a draw out of this game and, and, and stay top of the league. So, I'm going to say 2-2. I'm going to say 2-2. All right. I'm going to say uh, 4-1. 4-2. How about that? 4-2 Liverpool. I just think that that back line is, is going to be... They're, they're going to want to be cagey. This could, this could even be like a 1-1 if both teams end up giving it, each other a lot of respect. It's certainly, that is definitely on the cards. The only reason I say that is because it's the 7.30 a.m. game to start the weekend off after an international break. And sometimes those games can right, kind so of be a damp squid. But I was going to say, that it might be like a really cagey game where you know there's only one or two goals in it. Because this Liverpool side are going to want to defend well, Everton are not going to want to are going to want to stay top of the table and stay on top of Liverpool. So a draw for them, I'm sure, is a good result in this. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm sure Carlo's going to be also exercising caution as well in this. So maybe maybe a crazy four two or two two is not even on the cards and. It's going to be the a answer is game. no one knows because I mean and I mean this football's crazy enough but in yeah, this day and age it, with covid like who the hell's right, out there predicting 72 right all, all the results are crazy exactly in the first place or Tottenham 6 Manchester United 1 like what's the point what are we even doing so um, uh, we'll just touch in on the other two games on Saturday uh Chelsea are going to host Southampton I just want to mention that one cuz it's uh, expected that Christian Pulisic is going to be back. Yeah, you can't go two pods without talking about Chelsea. You'd, you'd probably have to hang yourself after that or something. Well, else. no, we talked about Chelsea in the uh, Champions League preview. Oh, so no, not you're right, for you. you're yeah, right, you're right. No, Premier League, Premier League. Uh, yeah, you can't go two Premier League pods without talking about Chelsea. You'd, yeah, I mean, devoid I, of. I, I'm excited for this game. I told you before this game that I think we're going to absolutely destroy them, like 4-0 or 4-1 or something. I mean, it could be a super high-scoring game just like the West Brom one uh, was, but um, with Pulisic and Ziyech both back, Pulisic played the last like 20 minutes of the Crystal Palace game before the international break, and he hasn't been uh, away with the U.S. men's national team or anything, so he's back healthy. Ziyech played... Uh, two games for Morocco, coming on as a sub in both, so probably see him come off the bench. Uh, I'm just excited to see those two players incorporated and to continue to see uh, Ben Chilwell at left back and uh, where Frank Lampard decides to play Timo Werner. Do you think Frank starts his, his Tammy Werner again up top? He's played it the last couple times in Premier League games with Tammy as the I think the Tammy deserves it. He's been playing well. And Werner as the left And Werner striker. hasn't been scoring, so... 
uh, I know you think this is going to be the, the Werner game. He's, yeah, you think I, he's going to get a I brace honestly, here. I would honestly start Werner ahead of Tammy in this with Pulisic on the left uh, and then either Hudson Odoi or uh, ZX on the right. Werner did just play, I think, all three games for Germany. So uh, no, maybe, no, he maybe, he, maybe he just, take him off the bench. No, he just played against uh, Switzerland or whoever it was yesterday because that he had flu-like symptoms. I think Frank was trying to. Oh, rest you're right. Him. You're right. You're right. So he's only you're played right. one game. He's he's fresh as a daisy. Kai Havertz played two of the three games, but missed the game in between. So he's playing games. He's still playing games at the same rate. I, I don't know. I, I I think we're mostly fit and healthy. It's just maybe not the match fitness isn't there for every single player. So I think we have enough uh, to beat Southampton. You know, by two or three goals. Uh, if if Ings and Che Adams decide to show up, then yeah, maybe we're in a bit of trouble and it has to be a high-scoring one. But I think we finally have the firepower now to uh, really do that, especially at home against a team the level of uh, Southampton. So uh, I'm optimistic. That's going to be the 10 a.m. game that's in between that Everton-Liverpool game and the Man City-Arsenal uh, game on Saturday. And the final one will be Newcastle United hosting Manchester United, a reeling Manchester United who have Anthony Martial suspended for the next, what was it, two games or three games? Three games. He got a three-game suspension for violent conduct. Yeah, so uh, that's one striker. They, I believe Edison Cavani is uh, still isolating, uh, like mandatory isolation from uh, since he arrived in England and he won't be able to play in this game. So it looks like Marcus Rashford starts up top. Uh, are, are we confident that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to make the changes uh, necessary from that 6-1 defeat to Tottenham to go up to Newcastle and definitely win? Because I, I don't know. I mean, you just saw, like, who's going to start at centre-back? That's my, my Still, my main question is their back line. I know they're going to get some goals. They they have too much attacking quality in this side. You know, Greenwood hasn't gotten off the mark yet, but it seems like in midfield and in, in, in their back line, they're still... A lot of questions for me. I think Donny van de Beek, watching him play for Holland over the break, you know, he's definitely someone who should be starting. Paul Pogba, he looked decent for France in the international games. He always does when he has a lot more quality around him. But for some reason in that United midfield, you know, if, if everything's not purring and everything's not going their way, he's almost like an Ozil where, like, if you're winning and you're doing well, Paul Pogba looks great. But if you're behind and and you're you're you know your back's against the wall or you're against the kosh, like he's just useless. It's almost like you're playing well, with one less. You know one why? Less you know why he does well for France in that regard? It's because he's always playing next to a, a, a hard worker in midfield. If it's if it's not N'Golo Kante, then it's uh, Kamavinga who's been playing a bit uh, more recently. Uh, they have Tolisso. They have Steven Nzonzi, who actually isn't the hardest working player, but still is a defensive midfielder who can sit in and kind of position himself more than Pogba does. Uh, they they employ hardworking players to allow a player like Pogba to thrive as much as he can. But right now, United, Solskjaer hasn't really done that for uh, Pogba. And I don't really know if he should, because at this point, you, you haven't really seen a good run of form from Pogba for probably more than a year now. Like he's played well when United as a team have played well, but I don't remember the last time Paul Pogba took a United team that was struggling and just sort of dragged them to a victory or dragged them to a, a result when, uh, I mean, the last time that's coming to mind right now is probably the Manchester City uh, away game a couple of years ago where they came back from 2-0 down to win 3-2. 
uh, and most of those goals were offset pieces. So Pogba is he's a weird one for me, but I think after a six one, you can justify not playing him, especially when he gave away a penalty and was so blatantly at fault for so many of the of the periods of play that led to goals. So Newcastle are in pretty good form, so I kind of. I don't know. I kind of fancy them to maybe get a draw out of this yeah, game. They're kind of like Russian roulette. I have no idea how to like predict how they're going to do. I know when Chelsea go up there, we're going to get beaten. <laughs> like I know that much about Newcastle, but yeah, you don't know what you're going to get. They lost, uh, what was it? They lost like 3-0 to Brighton, but they beat, God, I, why can't I remember any of their results? Uh, they'll come back and like beat like West Ham on the opening day 2-0 and play really well, lose to Brighton the very next week. And then come out and win again the next week. You're just kind of sitting there, you know, just playing Russian roulette, thinking like, which Newcastle team am I going to get? And I'm hoping for this week to kind of continue Man United's misery that they they show up and get at least a draw. But I think I would probably say like, I'm probably going to like edge they towards beat a two, Burnley three one, and they got a draw with Spurs. Yeah, the so, Burnley, yeah, they're the a Burnley little bit Jacqueline and Hyde. The Burnley game was the one I was thinking of, but they're the Burnley are also in terrible form this season, so. They're, they've lost all of their games. They're not really playing well at all. They're getting relegated this year. I'm calling it. We, we tried that last year, Javier. It didn't work. I know we did. I know we did. <laughs> the ghost of Sean Dykes just came back and just refused. Um, but do you think this is another game that United uh, Manchester United slip up in? I'm, I'm leaning towards yes. I need to see the proof before I start. I think so. United I think also just the way that Maguire's been playing. He got sent off for England uh, today. And... He's just been absolutely dreadful to start the season. He had all that, all that crazy stuff in Greece where he got arrested, and you know, he's, it feels like his eyes not completely focused on football right now, and it's showing in his performances. And then whoever's playing next to him hasn't been that strong either, whether it's Bai or you know, Lindelof. I don't know, I don't even know Lindelof. Both have been at fault for goals. I think the one thing that we might see that might make a little difference is if Alex Telles starts instead of Luke Shaw. I think a player like him could make a difference to this back line. Yeah, and if the midfield, just pride them a little the bit midfield of, is going to have to be different. Like like you said, Van yeah. de Beek is going to have to play with Bruno Fernandes. I want Van de Beek to start, and then they'll probably uh, have Bruno to play and, Fred and either Fred or McTominay. Yeah, I think one of those two's got to got to play. Which, I don't I don't like the Matic. Which, by the way, it's not the best midfield like either. It's definitely better than the Matic Pogba midfield you saw against Tottenham, but. I still don't like the balance of those three players, like Van Der Beek and. Yeah, what if he starts Van Der Beek, Pogba, and Bruno? I mean, that's just going to be like a crazy right. The level of disrespect (laughs) Newcastle would have to feel would be like they would lose. Manchester United would lose based off uh, that alone. Just the fire that would burn within Newcastle, they would just be like, "You're going to play these three in midfield against us." Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to ride with Newcastle United and say like a like a two two. Uh, but like a, str- a struggling 2-2. Yeah, I'm going to say 1-1. I'm going to say 1-1. And then maybe United, because United have been, this is the type of game that you, you feel like United get outplayed the entire game, and then they get some bullshit penalty in the last minute and win 2-1. Yeah, like Brighton. And you're just kind of like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, like how did United get this result? And Yeah. It feels like this is going to be one of those games where they're probably going to get outplayed the whole game. Newcastle's going to look great, but shit always had, goes wrong for Newcastle, like it did against Spurs. And they beat, I, they, they beat who, Man United there last year, one nil. The uh, what's his name? Yeah, uh, 
they Matt, could. Matthew Longstaff they, on his debut. That was a nice goal. Right. Right. Yeah. They 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 could they've pull got some, something like they've that got off some again. Giant killing potential in them. They're they're not a completely, uh, especially at home. Even if there's no fans. Yeah. That that, that that's going to conclude the Saturday games. It's a really good slate of games. Uh, no overlap, so you're not missing anything. Uh, the Sunday slate is just as good. Uh, Tottenham West Ham. We'll start with that since that's a uh, a derby of sorts. Those two teams uh, have a long history of hatred for one another. West Ham are on a very good run right now. Two wins in a row with no goals conceded, it's including the, Leicester City. We all, we all know the big question here, Alex. Is David Moyes going to be on the sidelines? I mean, I'm guessing he is. He missed those if last two games. If he's back from his COVID, you know Tottenham are going to win like 4-0 because <laughs> the key to West Ham's success so far has been no David Moyes. I mean, the absolute legend, if he actually just stays away just to see... And they end up winning, like just as convincingly, like another three nil, like they did did against Leicester. He would he just be like, okay, I just I I guess I just stay away for forever. <laughs> um, no, I mean I'm sure he's going to be back. And in all seriousness, I'm I'm guessing that's bullshit. But you, like I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> I don't know whether to think West Ham can continue this. And get some kind of result against Tottenham because Tottenham right now look. I mean, they have played well. Like they got unlucky to lose against us. They've won their last two games, four nil and three nil, and they just destroyed a Leicester side that beat Manchester City. So I think we got to look at them as the real deal right now. Um, they're going to be going into this game confident. I'm sure they're going to think they can get a point or at least a win, even a win out of this. And I think you got to trust them right now. I think you got to. Then again, though, Tottenham. Yeah, they've been playing pretty well recently. They, they didn't start the season the best, but the last couple of games they seem to have rallied, especially with Kane and Son hitting form. So, I don't know. I'm. Uh, would you predict it, Javier? I don't know if I would, especially because of just the way that Son is playing right now. I just think that he's kind of unstoppable right now. I mean, he's got six goals and an assist. Harry Kane has like three goals and six assists, something like that. So, the, the pair seem to be playing incredibly together, and... Marina seems to be facilitating everything around them, and as well as Ndombele kind of coming into the fore into this team and, and making it his own, a player who we've been calling since last season to, you know, he's their record signing. He looked phenomenal on Lyon for multiple years and just has not looked good on Tottenham last season. Feels like maybe this is going to be his breakout season, and if he can get a run of games in this team, I think he's going to be really important in this game. So I'm going to say 3-2 Tottenham. I'm going to call the Tottenham win in this. I think West Ham can do it to the extent that I would say two-two. I think they can get it. I think they can get a draw. Uh, and an interesting rumor I've heard being thrown around about uh, West Ham because the the transfer window within England I don't think has closed yet. I think it's supposed to close on the 19th. Um, is uh, West Ham have been heavily linked with Saeed Benrama from uh, Brentford? He's not that young, he's like 24, 25, but he absolutely lit up the championship last year and was the best player on that Brentford team that went to the playoff final and lost to Fulham. Uh, he's a very talented left winger uh, who I think would be they, it would be a really good compliment to the other championship player that they signed, Jared Bowen on the right wing. If they, they also brought in Craig Dawson on yeah, loan from that's, Watford. That's some, that's some good He's depth. one that might... 
Yeah, that might be a, a decent center back that might end up getting some game time this season. So if he does end up playing for them, that's another. But that you know that Ben Rama signing piece. isn't like official yet, and I, I mean he won't be available for Tottenham. I'm guessing even if it's made official between now and then. But uh, that's one for the future that he could be interesting. I, I think a big factor towards that happening is the fact that they just loaned out uh, what's his name. Uh, Felipe Anderson, the the Brazilian winger, they just loaned him out to Porto for the season. So, if they're willing to let a player like like that go out on loan, they obviously must have someone uh, in the pipeline coming in. So, uh, that's one to look out for. And I think West Ham are, you know, they're in good enough shape that they can get a result, even a draw against Tottenham, and they'll be pretty happy with that. Uh, the other huge game on Sunday that we just got to hit on quickly is the Leicester Aston Villa game. That's going to be Sunday at 2.15, so in the middle of a lot of the NFL games. But if you're hardcore, then uh, this should be a goal fest, I'm guessing. Yeah, you got to think, right? Because this Leicester side just lost 3-0. I'm sure, much like Liverpool, they're going to try to get back on the on track after a very good start to the season, winning their first three games. Um, and then kind of like a crazy blimp losing to that West Ham so badly. But I did kind of see it coming because I thought that those performances in their their first three games were a little bit lucky for them to to get you know score so many goals and get so many penalties and such but I think it's pretty big for them that they have um, Ricardo Pereira coming back into the team as well as James Madison is, is like kind of fresh coming back into the team as well he's one who they I feel like they've missed a lot and I think this might be a little bit of a different look side if either one of those can start in this game and for Aston Villa, I mean, they're they're flying high. They won their first three games, and I'm sure they're going to be coming into this with a lot of confidence. And you got to think that they they're going to fancy themselves to get something out of this. So uh, again, like saw, we've been calling a lot of like two twos and three threes. Team absolutely fleece uh, Leicester City. So I mean, the West Ham Aston Villa comparison isn't perfect, but you know, on a very basic level, they both kind of uh, feed off like very basic counterattacks. I don't mean basic in a bad way, but you know, uh, <laughs> Villa just attacked that Liverpool, Aston Villa's left wing, Liverpool's right wing, just incessantly with those great timed runs from Watkins and uh, Grealish. So uh, if Pereira's back and he's starting at right back, then I mean, that's definitely a, a positive for Leicester, but he hasn't played in what, like seven or eight months. It's been, it's been a minute. He didn't play at all during that uh during the restart so uh yeah maybe that's an area that villa think they can get at them it's a it's a wide open game to be honest which you wouldn't have said uh, a week or two before the international break because leicester were playing so well um but after that three you willing, loss, you, it's, do you think do you think villa can win this yeah are you gonna predict it out yeah i think villa could win this sure so do i i don't know so do i don't I. know, I don't know what villa bit, uh, are yet. i don't know how good they can be because they they had one of the better transfer windows like if we're doing who had the best transfer window outside of chelsea it's probably Aston Villa. Who else do you think would be up there? I mean, I, I think Arsenal signed the best midfielder of anyone. Um, maybe along there with Everton. Everton have had a really yeah, good window it, it, signing. It would probably be Everton before signing Arsenal. Signing Ben Godfrey. Yeah, probably Everton before Arsenal. You know, getting to Kure, Allen, Godfrey. And then it's got to be Villa as well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think those those like four teams well, if you, if you, are all up if there. If you list off Villa's, just to be quick, the Ollie Watkins signing, which again, just one game, but he looks very promising. Uh, the Ross Barkley signing came in and played very well against Liverpool and is a proven Premier League starting midfielder at the very least. And he looks like he can combine well with Grealish. Who else did they go out and get? Their right back, Matt, uh, Matty Cash, uh, who looks decent, but is still kind of an unproven championship player. Who am I forgetting? I don't know. 
I, I feel like I'm forgetting about a forward. You're Bertrand Traore, Alex, as well as of Ross course, Barkley. I knew they signed someone else. Bertrand Traore. Right. Okay, I'm very excited about Villa now. Uh, Bertrand Traore, I was very sad that we sold him to Leon. I'm happy to see him back in the Premier League. He's probably going to do something terrible to Chelsea, and I'm not going to enjoy that. But, you know, in the meantime, that's another one of our secret agents just plopped into the league, him and Ross, just out here to take points from uh, everyone else in the league. Um, (laughs) That's a really good signing. A front three of Bertrand Traore, uh, Ollie Watkins, and Jack Grealish. Uh, that's it's a huge upgrade on last year. So I give them as good a chance as, as any team going to Leicester, especially with that counterattacking style and, and doing some pretty good damage to Leicester. I probably even, I think, I think, I'm I think even up there also, I don't like Leicester's defenders say, that well or that much. I was going to say up there with Arsenal, Everton, Villa and Chelsea. I, I feel like Liverpool had a very good window as well. Bringing in, you know, adding to a team that you didn't think could really be added to, as well as holding on to a couple of players that they you thought that they maybe were going to lose in like Wijnaldum, and then adding a, a player as good as Thiago in, for their midfield, to, who is definitely going to be a starter, um, if not you know going to be a controlling player off the bench in, in games, and then uh, getting that Tamikas left back depth, as well as Diego Yota for that cover for that front three. So I think those players are all. We're all very good signings, and they went out and spent you know over a hundred million. So that's not something that we really expected Liverpool to go out and do. And I don't feel like Manchester City went out and like went crazy and bought us, bought players to like make up the gap between them and Liverpool. I feel like Liverpool almost pushed the gap even further, and Manchester City kind of patched up their whole of like Vincent Company and you know Leroy Sané being De- gone, David and they, they kind of just. Yeah, and just they just re- like well, replace those players, but didn't really add anything. Thinking Torres is going to come in and replace Sane, which he's a good player, but he's not Leroy Sane's level. Phil Foden, they probably expect to step into that David Silva hole, which you know is a big ask for him. But he's shown that he can probably do uh, what like seventy five percent of what David Silva's given them the last couple of years in terms of stats, at least. They they have a deep squad. Yeah, it's just I think it's just down to injuries for them, and it's going to be that way for a lot of teams. And you, you would have thought City would go out and get a few more, uh, maybe one or two more options, especially for uh, the back line and not have to settle for Ruben Diaz. So all I know is last place is Manchester United, even though they got Donny van der Beek, who I'm very jealous of. Uh, Manchester United are definitely last place. Uh, uh, So did you want to hit on this Leeds Leeds, uh, Wolves game or anything? Yeah, I'm just going to also briefly mention Tottenham because... We don't know oh, how good right, their yeah. window would have been. Hoiberg's ended up being a starter for them. They've got Joe Hart as like a backup for their goalie. Matt Doherty is a pretty big signing for them at, at right wing back. Regulon for left back. And then Gareth Bale, who we don't know if he's going to be a star a hit this season, but if he ends up being a big hit this season, then I think you could you could say Tottenham are, are, are going to be one of the big winners as well. Yeah, Tottenham have a, have a sneaky good window. It's... Uh it seems like just enough business to keep uh, Jose happy. Uh, so, yeah, this Leeds United Wolves game, that's going to be the last game of the weekend, Monday, 3 p.m. I'm off the Wolves train, Alex. You're completely off just because Raul Jimenez yeah, didn't off. score for your fantasy team one I'm week. Off. You're, yeah, uh, you've against completely Fulham, given up yeah. on him. Yeah, I'm off. They, they got a 1-0 win against Fulham, but that's pathetic. They should have crushed them 3 or 4-0. It was uh, it was not as good of a performance from Wolves. They I don't know. I know that you still think that they're going to be pushing in those top six, seven places, but I don't think they are going to be. I think they're going to be a mid-table team this season. And well, do you know what a mid? Do you know what a mid-table team is? 
it's uh, higher than Leeds United are going to finish. Uh, Ooh, wow. Wolves, okay. Wolves are just going to slickly and professionally counterattack the shit out of Leeds and just give them a rude awakening in the Premier League. Alex is still not a believer of Leeds, guys. Alex is not converted guys, to the Church of Leeds. Guys, if there's... The Church of Marcelo Bielsa. If there's one thing oh, Marcelo, true Premier League fans understand... Oh, Marcelo. <laughs> you don't know the, the Marcelo prayers, you're, Alex? You're singing prayers for a Chilean. Or an Argentine? Is he Argentine? Yeah, he's Argentine. Argentine, Alex. Argentine. I would never sing a prayer for Chile. Uh, well, I mean, Argentine is arguably Fuck worse. You're, you're a Peruvian, man. What, what are you doing? <laughs> um, there's one thing that every Premier League fan, every true Premier League fan understands. It's uh, fuck leads. What about Bamfordino, Alex? I, okay, you listen, Bamfordino, I'm happy for him. He's doing well. Good for him. He's finally pro- starting to prove himself in the Premier League after having several terrible loan stints to Crystal Palace and Middlesbrough before where he couldn't like score at all. Uh, he's playing really well for Leeds now under Bielsa. And uh, they have a good system, and I think they're playing very well, and they're in form at the moment, so they have a good chance. But I think Wolves are just. Going I'm very to, curious as well how they do against Wolves. Yeah, well, because Wolves, Wolves, Wolves have the antidote. They can, they can pass out from the back. They can just sort right. of ignore the uh, the the high pressure and just go direct instead with uh, Podence and Neto and Jimenez and obviously Adama Traore. Uh, th- th- this is going to be a different test for Leeds than they've faced. Probably the closest thing Leeds have faced to this is uh, Sheffield United, and Sheffield had a lot of injuries and uh, suspensions when they played, and probably should have scored two or three themselves, but ended up losing one nil. So uh, th- that was a closer game than it looked on the score sheet. Uh, and I think Wolves are built exactly the same to kind of take advantage of Leeds' deficiencies. So I'm going to be wearing my "I told you so" cap this time next week. So, well, I'll see you then. <laughs> All right. Alex is not a believer. We'll we'll have to convert him. And then Javier, next I don't week... think you learned the lesson of this week's podcast. And it's fuck Leeds. Okay. Arsenal fans are supposed to believe this, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But fuck you're Leeds, not in touch but, with your club's but, history, Javier. But, no, 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 Alex. We have to. What Leeds, how big of assholes no, they Alex. and their fans are. We can't no, allow I know them to come big back. Assholes, it would be worse than especially if you when their guys fans come again. back. <laughs> right. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but if they do come back, Alex, you know, once the fans come back, we'll be on the fuck leads train. But for now, we have to be, you know, we have to be level headed and not use any bias here. And when there's no bias involved, leads are a very good side. I actually and don't think I've shown any next season, I don't think so. I've shown any bias in my analysis of leads uh, so far. I mean, again, fuck leads. But. Every time I've talked about them and I've laid out my case for why I think they're going to be in a relegation battle, I have backed that up with historical anecdotal evidence of recent seasons where they start really well and then fall off and can't do anything, even in the championship for the whole second half of the season. So I'm imagining putting that in a Premier League season uh, with no fans. And I don't know. I think it's going to catch up to them at some point. Maybe not like a, a terrible run of bad results, but, you know. This could be the first game that you watch Leeds and think, oh, wow, are they up to this? Are they going to be able to keep this up against everyone? Yeah, I just want to get that out there. And hopefully Leeds don't come out and just absolutely (laughs) shatter Wolves. I'd be so pissed if that happened. But oh well. Um, Do you have anything more you want to add? Or uh, ready to wrap this bad boy up? I think we've I think we've we've done a pretty good job here. It's a it's a hell of a weekend. I'm looking forward to all of it. Uh, the, West Brom Burnley relegation six pointer on Monday as well. Yeah, if you want to put yourself through that, go for it. 
I probably will while I'm sitting here. It could working. be a fun one. I was going to say, it could be a fun I one. Fun isn't the word I'd use. Um, but yeah, there, there is a word that you could use. I don't know. But you can follow us on social media at JaviArev9. Finally, change to JaviArev9 on Twitter and Instagram for Javier. ASMoss92 on Twitter and Instagram for me, Alex. And at Andrew Passaro for Andrew's Twitter and Instagram. And of course, at GhostGoalPod for the podcast socials. Thanks for listening. And until next time, bye.